Continentals can take the lead. Can it go more with a crossover? Lays it up and in. The Hamilton's first lead of the game. And this place is deafening. There's a rebound. It won't go. And the Hamilton Continentals win. Welcome to the 50 Years of Hamilton College Basketball Podcast, Episode 4, Coach Tom Murphy. Coach Murphy discusses the early 80s, but also touches on a few other teams and players throughout his time on campus during the 70s and 80s. He has some unique, funny stories and talks about many of the outstanding players who he coached during that time. Here we go. Well, Coach Murphy, thanks for jumping on today for our podcast here and talk a little bit about the 1980s, first half of the decade. Yeah, those are good times, Adam. Well, we had a chance, uh, our previous episode, we talked with John Klauberg and Cedric Oliver, and you know, obviously two great players and uh, really start of a, a great, great run there at the end of the 70s, leaving into the 80s and the beginning of the Bundy Scott Fieldhouse opening up. How big of a change was it for you going from alumni gym to the Fieldhouse? Because they're certainly two drastically different venues. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a tough change, really. Uh, the guys loved alumni gym. It was, it was the best place uh, Plus, we'd won like, I don't know, maybe 50 in a row there or something. So <laughs> we hated to give up that home court advantage, but uh, but it, it, it was a, a welcome change. We needed a bigger facility, and, uh, and the, the, you know, Scott Field House was really a, a nice addition to the school. It served its uh, place well. It's still going and still looks like a, like a great home court. Yeah, for us, it's been great. You know, it's uh, it's unique and it's different than a lot of the other places we play that have more of the alumni gym or the college type gyms. We've got a little more of an arena feel there. And, you know, with the, the new court that we're getting next year, so we're having a new court come in this fall, and repainted and just fresher hardwood. I think that'll add a little more spice to it as well. But it's been great for us. I know Cedric Oliver said he played his senior year there and said it was different, but he said he really enjoyed it. Still got pretty loud, which was fun. Yeah, it was good. We had it. We had it going pretty good back in those days. Yeah. <laughs> the football team was a uh, was a little wild. They they had what they call the dog pound down at the end under the basket, and the visiting teams did not like coming in there. <laughs> Speaking of dogs, I I do have one question for you. When uh, we spoke with Ernie Found a couple of weeks ago, um, in a previous episode, he mentioned there was one time where a dog came onto the court in alumni gym. I don't know if you remember that at all. and just kind of sat there and wouldn't leave. And in the game, he thought wasn't going great. So you said if, if the score is going to be 2 nothing instead of losing by 15, you're happy with that. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting story there. But uh, it was like a big German shepherd just came out and sat in the middle of the court. And, you know, the crowd was uh, maybe 10 people. The referees, we were down by like 30 at the time. And, uh, he says, he started telling me, you got to get the dog off the court. And the dog was a big dog and he was growling. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't about to go out and get the dog. So, uh, you know, I said, well, what happens if I don't, you know, or something? He said, you're going to forfeit the game. I said, what's the score of a forfeit? And he said, two to nothing. I said, go ahead. <laughs> so that was, it was a funny story. But uh, finally, some kid came out of the stands and picked the dog up and carried him out. So that's great. We, we continued on our way to another 25-point loss. So <laughs> those, were, those were tough years, those first few years there. But, uh, but I'll tell you, Ernie was a great player and a great kid. And. He, 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 he was the first uh, guy to get the first link, getting the thing turned around, get it going. I would say he was the first really good recruit I had. And I, I think we might have got it going a year earlier, except he uh, he, he broke his ankle there. Uh, 
and he kind of missed a whole bunch of games there the one year or else I think maybe we would have been a little bit better a year earlier but yeah but Ernie's just a great guy yeah and then with John and Cedric it really got rolling there at the end of the 70s and Bob Malaby and, and some of the other guys that they talked about last episode uh, must have been fun great. to just see two guys like that be all Americans and play at such a high level you know, you, you look back on it, you wonder, like, there was no three-point line, and, 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 like, Cedric, I don't know the exact numbers, but, like, Cedric was, like, 2,300 points or something. John was maybe 1999 or something. And, and he, he shot nothing but threes. And, yeah. and on that team, same team, you had Brian Coons, who probably scored 13, 1,400 points and, yeah. and, and missed one year with a knee injury. So, uh, I mean, you want to talk about having a lot of firepower, and, and then the guards we had uh, at that time were just unbelievable. Malaby and Willie Jackson, John McGee. I mean, I mean Johnny McGee actually, he never really got to play till his senior year. And I used to tell people like we we had the three best point guards in New York at that time. Yeah. Now Malaby came from Michigan, where he actually started on the freshman team that played in the Final Four. Wow! And uh, you know he, he got in a car accident, and they kind of ran him off, and he ended up at our place. And uh, and he couldn't beat out Willie. He was coming <laughs> off the bench. And then and John was buried behind those two. And, and then finally, yeah. you know, John he waited and I give him all the credit in the world. And his, his senior year, he had a great year, and he showed people what he could really do. So, uh, but those, those that was quite a team as far as offensive yeah. firepower. Well, that was amazing talking with them, just how many points were scored without the three-point line. I think it was 88, 89 a game. It, it, was, it was way up there, which even today with the three-point line, it'd still be top 10 in the country most years. Yeah, no, they, they could put some points up, I'll tell you. They, yeah. and, and, and Cedric, I mean, God knows what he, how many he could have scored. I mean, I, I probably should have let him go a little bit more. The only time I ever really let him go was the last game of his career up at Cortland, and I still have <laughs> record there. I think, I, I'm not sure, but I think he might have had 52 or something yeah. like that. And, and uh, that's really the only time I, I, I left him in, you know, uh, when he had it going. And, you know, because we had a kid, Mark Curran, coming off the bench who was an SID afterwards for a while. And, uh, and Mark's down in New York City now. But, like, Mark was a really good player. But I used to try to find time to get him in the game because he was good. But, like, it was, it was really hard <laughs> to get by those guys. So, I mean, the front line, the other kid, Mark Wibarczyk, was out of Auburn, and, uh, you know, nobody really talks much about him, but, like, I mean, he was a really good player, so yep. but there's only one ball, and then, and, <laughs> you know, you had to give it to Cedric most of the time. <laughs> Cedric did echo that. He said that was the only time he said give him the ball, so... <laughs> He was great. He spoke about Mark Robarczyk and said Mark would just knock four or five people out of the way and tell Cedric to go get the rebound. So Mark deserves a lot of those rebounds as well, he said. Well, you know, they were, you were talking about different personalities. I mean, Cedric was a guy you couldn't yell at much. So, and Robarczyk was a guy you could really get on and, and he responded when you got on him. And so I had to talk with Mark one time. I said, Mark, like, I can't yell at Cedric, but when he, you know, I, so I said, when he's doing something wrong, I'm going to yell at you and he'll, he'll understand. He'll get the message. So that worked pretty good for five games. And all of a sudden, Barcha comes in my office. He says, oh, yeah, I ask you a question. How am I supposed to know when you're yelling at Cedric when you're yelling at me? <laughs> it was kind of funny. So, but, uh, oh, that was, that was a good team. It was a really yeah. good team. So then after that, you start to get into the 80s and, obviously losing someone as dynamic as Cedric plus a lot of other great players you know what was that transition like did you feel it was a little different obviously there's a lot more great players coming through but what was that next season like I think the the record that year was maybe 15 and 10 still playing some division ones Kevin yeah. Grimmer was there at the time 
Yeah, we had a we had a pretty good team. We were hurting a little bit at the point guard. Uh, Bobby Kiley was a freshman, came in. He kind of didn't really do what we thought he was going to do. Ended up putting him back down on the JV team for a while, and uh, uh, we were playing with basically playing without a point guard. Frankie Garcia was playing the point. He got hurt, and but you know it. it it was kind of a building year, I guess you would say. The guys get used to playing together. But, uh, you know, the, the following year, we, we ended up being really pretty good. And and even that 15 and 10 year, I think if you look, there were a lot of close games in there that we could have won. We went right down to the end, and, and it got away from us. So, uh, yeah, I noticed that year um, you ended up playing, I think, Elmira three times, played LeMoyne, played Binghamton, RIT, Colgate. You know, it's just – a little different landscape as far as the schedule where you played a lot of schools that now are division one and division two. I saw through the eighties and that time you, you played Utica was division one, Colgate was division one. You played a lot of those teams. So that, that impacts the record a little bit, even though you had great success against some of those schools. Yeah. It was, you know, I mean, we, we were looking for a challenge, you know, we played in yeah. some tournaments with Hartwick was a really strong division two team at the time we would play them. We ended up playing, I can remember Gannon and Stone Hill and, and those teams were, were really good. I can remember the game. I think it was when Cedric and John were playing. Gannon came in. And, uh, they had just played UCLA, and they had beaten. Or I guess I think maybe they had beaten Navy. If they hadn't beaten them, they had lost right at the buzzer when Navy had David Robinson. And uh, he made some comment in the paper like, "Who's Hamilton?" or something like that. Or, you know, it was. And, and they had a, a big kid that was from Ariskany Falls, the, the 611 kid. Who, who, uh, his his father was a principal over at Ariskany Falls. He, he didn't play much for him. But anyway, when they, they came in and, I mean, I would say they were a little cocky. And, and it was one of those days uh -huh. where John had one of his games. He just went off. And uh, I, th I think it was, it was a tournament. We were playing over at Utica College and uh, we got them in the first round. And, and uh I mean, I, I, I think we beat him by, I, I wouldn't know the score, but it was pretty good. And, uh, you know, after the game, I went over to shake hands with the guy. And he, he, I mean, he was a weird guy anyway. And I figured, <laughs> you know where Hamilton is now? <laughs> he, he didn't appreciate that too much. <laughs> John did mention, uh, when I was speaking with John and, Cedric, that you enjoyed a little banter back and forth with Coach Spartano across town here. Well, we had a good time. Jim was a big guy. <laughs> I still talk with him all the time. We we had some great times. I mean, it, it, one of the funny stories is uh, we had kind of been dominating them for a while. You know, we didn't, I don't know, we went 10, 12 in a row, something like that. And, and we're playing at their place, and it's a really close game. It comes down to the wire, and, and, and they, they score a basket with one second left in the game and they stormed the court and they got Spartano on I mean, I saw a picture of it still, you know, carrying Jim off and the scoreboard shows it like, I don't know what this was like, Utica 64, Hamilton 63. And uh, guy from Binghamton was reference Steve, I can't remember his last name, Pavlovic. And he, he, he comes out and he says, oh, there's still one second left in the game. So <laughs> they finally clear everybody off the court. It was like probably 15 minutes. Wow. People had left and they, Assuming that you guys won, you know, and uh, as a matter of fact, they made an award they called the Effinger Award after that because Effinger left the game. It was an admissions guy, and he, he thought we'd lost and didn't find out till the next day that we actually won. So we, went back and left. <laughs> we threw a full court pass, and Cedric went up to catch it, and the guy, Doug Waite, a kid from New Hartford, fouled him, 
he, Cedric goes to the line, he makes two foul shots, and we win the game by a point. Oh, that's great. And it, was, it, it was crazy. So, uh, uh, and then poor Jim, you know, afterwards, he just started with snake bit, but he's a great guy. We, we, we had a lot of fun. Those, those were good days. He had, yeah. he had a couple of really good teams. He had a kid named Gordy Taylor, who was a, like an All-American type player. And uh, there were some wards between him and Cedric. So, yeah, I know talking with the guys, uh, Cedric and John, there was a good number of local guys at that time, kind of from the Mohawk Valley. So I would think Utica was probably similar to their roster, had some local guys within an hour or so. So that made it even a little bit more competitive, I would think, guys that would see each other in the summertime. Yeah, it was. Utica was pretty much all local at that point, you know, and, and, and we had a lot of local kids. And it was kind of funny because we went through a stretch there where we had predominantly local kids that from, you know, Utica, Syracuse, and that was it for, and then all of a sudden, five or six years later, we we had kids from all over the country and, and no local kids, and we <laughs> kept it going. Like, a, we had that team with uh, Michael Smith and Kyle Smith and I mean, guys were from Texas and Maryland and everywhere, you know, it was like. Yeah, Cedric mentioned uh, during that time, one of the teams that really stood out. And I saw even the first couple of years in the 80s, you had some great games with them. Uh, Union College seemed like a, a really high level team, great opposition at the Division Three level at that time. Yeah, they were really good. And, and uh, you know, Bill Scanlon was coaching there and a great guy. You know, I still talk to Bill once in a while. And uh, it, it was a little different back then. We had a great group of coaches. You know, he had uh, Nick Lambros was down at Hartwick. And, and, and when the games were going on, you, you know, it was so competitive. But after the games were over, I mean, they were just like your best friends for life. <laughs> so, you know, it was just a, it was a really tight, tight-knit group. But there were some, you know, but actually, basketball in upstate New York at that time was probably as good as any place in the country. That helps, right? Helps with recruiting when you're getting local guys. Not yeah, a bad thing it, at all. It, really, it really helped. And they were like, you know, it was just, it was, you know, Union was good. Albany was good. RPI was good. I mean, it, it was like, uh, Hartwick was like Division Two at the time. They, they had some really, really good teams. I don't know if they won the national championship. I think they lost in the final game to Morgan State. But mm, wow. at that level, you know, and... Uh, it, 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 it was just we had some real wars that was makes you good though right you got to play good teams to find out where you're at and see if you can get better you know where you where you are and where you stand and you know so it was you know it, it, we we always try to challenge our guys and play the best teams in new york state we always you know try to get you know at that point albany was good Plastan was good rochester was good you know uh, we'd go down and play scranton who was one a real powerhouse at the time and uh you know, we always had Colgate on the schedule, which, you know, you, they, they won't play anymore, I don't think, Adam. <laughs> they too much to lose there. That's so. right. That's right. Great game for you, but a bad game for them. Even though it's so close, it'd be fun, but yeah. I get it. For a long time, to the 70s and 80s, Hamilton was a member of NESCAC, but didn't really play everybody. It seemed like the schedules in the early 80s, you started to try to pick up a few more of those teams. Is that fair to say? Was that a conscious choice? Was that something where yeah. you just wanted to be more involved with those those schools because you're affiliated with the NESCAC? Yeah, I, th I think so. You know, it was, you know, we wanted to play as many good teams as we could get, you know, and, yeah. and challenge our guys because we weren't allowed to go to the tournament. So the, you know, the only way to find out how good you were was, was you know, to go outside and, and play the best teams that you could play. So, you know, and obviously NESCAC has evolved into probably the best Division Three conference in the country right now. So, 
Uh, and it, it was very good back then, but I wouldn't say it was the best in the country at that point, but mm. it was one of the top three. But I think now it's definitely the best best conference in the country, top to bottom. Yeah, you find out where you're at in a hurry, yeah. <laughs> for sure. So one of the things we've done with all the guest coaches is, is make sure we get through the All-Americans and kind of talk about what they were like as players and who they were as people. And the, the first one uh, to graduate from that era was Kevin Grimmer. So I, I talked with Cedric and John briefly about Kevin and, you know, they were fortunate to be his mentors and the leaders on the team and the older guys when he came in. So just curious, kind of your perspective on, Ke on Coach Grimmer, Kevin Grimmer, and uh, what he was like as a player. And then I know he's got a great personality, so I'm sure you might have a story or two. Uh, Kevin was the best. Uh, you know, we were very fortunate to get him. He had, uh, had he actually had scholarship to Fordham, and he stayed, mm -hmm. decided to stay local and play with us. And uh, I mean, he, he he's one of the great rebounders of all time. I mean, he. You know, everybody gets rebounds, but like Kevin got rebounds you weren't supposed to get. He he thought every he should get every ball. He thought and um, a little bit aggressive, let's say. He might have had some foul trouble on occasion, but uh, <laughs> and uh, there were a lot of stories with Kevin. But uh, a great competitor, a better shooter than people thought. Uh, but you know, pretty much stayed inside, accepted his role. Great outlet passer, probably one of the better outlet passers. Uh, he used to say, well, when the other team, you know, a lot of teams run off misses and stuff, but like we, we would run off makes. You know, if that ball went in the basket, Kevin would catch it and step one step out of bounds and he'd throw like an 80 foot pass or a 90 foot pass. <laughs> he'd say, I'm going to send it, you know, <laughs> and he would, he'd send it and the guards knew that, you know, they'd be running full speed and he'd throw that ball and, and he, on the money, he should have been a quarterback, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's done a great job. He's, uh, you know, he's the AD over at SUNY now. He coached for many years and a good, solid coach, a great person. Uh, can't say enough good things about Kevin. He did get in a little trouble on occasion. Uh, let's put it this way. He wasn't Dean Bingham's favorite person. <laughs> Matter of fact, I can remember Dean Bingham saying to me one day, if Kevin Grimmer ever graduates from here, I'm leaving. And Kevin graduated and Dean Bingham left the next took a job at a prep school down in North Carolina. So uh, one of the incidents was uh, we had come back, uh, I think we were playing Plattsburgh. And uh, it's right when we first had kind of gone into the field house and they should have beat us probably. It's like some crazy stuff happened at the end of the game and we ended up winning by a point or two and the guys were happy and everything. And so I kind of, afterwards, I kind of said, well, why don't you guys go out, you know, and get, get an ice cream cone or something like that and just get some sleep because we got to play again tomorrow, you know? And uh, me, meanwhile, they went out and they were coming back into Clinton from new, obviously they, they hadn't, they, they didn't go for ice cream. Let's put it that way. They went somewhere else. And, uh, <laughs> They were driving back in and uh, there was an ice cream stand out there on uh, I think it's Route 12 as you're coming into Clinton. It's by uh, where Stewart's is now. And, and uh, they had a big cone up on the roof of their ice cream stand. Kevin decided they wanted that cone. So uh, <laughs> they got up on the roof and somehow he unscrewed it and everything. They got it. They got it up on the hood of the car. I mean, not the sharpest people in the world. A kid named John Anstos was a football player who was driving the car. And, Poor Ronnie Evans was with him, a bunch of other guys, Mike Burkhardt. Good, let's just say it was a good group. I think there were seven or eight of them. And uh, 
they had the cone up on the roof and they were holding it and driving in. And of course, right behind them came the, the police car following them up the hill. Uh, all of a sudden they realized the police were following them. And uh, so they all start running and hiding. And, you know, Kevin had the cone. He wanted to bring it to some fraternity party. Uh, anyway, they all ended up getting the, had to appear before the justice downtown. They were going to charge him with grand larceny, which is pretty serious. And I finally decided, like, if they divided it up, the, the, the cost of the damage by eight, it would come out to petty larceny. Which was not a, <laughs> you know, they didn't have to serve any time or anything. So they had to do uh, hours of community service. And ended up, it cost me, I think, $850, $950 or something. And uh, they were going to pay me back. Of course, I've never seen a penny of it. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it was a funny story. But Kevin, uh, that was another one where Ding Bingham, you know, I used to hate Sunday mornings. The phone would ring. Yeah. He did it again, you know. Uh, Kevin, what did you do this time? But, uh, uh, At least you knew it was coming, though. Yeah. You always took on him, Kevin, for a good time on Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned another All-American, Ron Evans, um, who was two years younger than Kevin. I think he was a, a local player as well, just like Coach Grimmer. Yeah, you know, Ron's up there. I think he's still first all time or top five in steals. Um, I believe he's still first. He's top 15 in scoring. Just sounds like a real tough competitor and had a lot of rebounds as well for someone that wasn't six, 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 seven, six, eight, like a lot of the other guys. Yeah, Ronnie was a, was a really great athlete and to be 100% honest, like probably basketball might have been his worst sport, but mm. he, lo he loved basketball. It's what he wanted to play. I mean, he was, he was a really good baseball player in high school. And uh, matter of fact, you played. Uh, they, they had a couple other kids over in New Hartford at the time. Andy Vance Lake, who went on and had a great career with the Cardinals, and uh, a guy named um, Madden was a pitcher. Uh, he ended up with the Red Sox. Wow! They they came in to test those guys, and Ronnie tested out better than all of them. And, uh, <laughs> but he and, and, and you know if he, if he ever was a wide receiver in football, because he had great hand, he had speed and he had great hands. He, he was just so athletic and. Uh, uh, you know, he, 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 he was really good. I mean, he, he could handle the ball, drive to the basket. He, he, he wasn't a great perimeter shooter, but he could, he could score, you know, and, uh, and, and just, you know, salt of the earth. I mean, just a great kid uh, in New Hartford. He, he grew up, you know, good family. Uh, his sister's married Kevin Grimmer. So it, it's, it's kind of a tight knit group there. But Ronnie is—he still looks the same, you know. He looks like he could go out and get 25 right now. So he's just one of those guys who didn't age at all. So great, great, great. I wish great. we had that. I can remember Coach Montana once. Uh, Coach thought guys should be diving on the floor, and he said, "Ryan, well, the only thing wrong with Ronnie is he's he not as aggressive. He doesn't dive for the ball." He said. I mean, he doesn't have to dive. He, he gets it before anybody else. He, he doesn't have to dive. He's so much quicker than everybody else. <laughs> so was, uh, those were good days. That was that was quite a group. Yeah. Yeah, the other guy in Ronnie's class who was also an All-American was Charles Robinson, who was the All-American in 1982, and then Ron Evans was their senior year. Yeah. How did Charles compare to Coach Grimmer or to Ron? Fit in pretty seamlessly, I assume. Uh, you know, Charles was a, a monster, and he, he still is today. He still lifted. He never lifted weights, so it was all natural when he when he came. Uh, he was in the HOP program. Chris Johnson he came out of Jamaica High School in New York City. Mm -hmm. He just kind of walked in one day, and I, I mean, this guy was like built like uh, 
Herschel Walker. It was unbelievable. <laughs> what is he doing here? And, uh, I mean, he was a man when you know against boys. I mean, he just uh, unbelievable. You know, strong. strong the strength he's so strong natural strong and, and now he started lifting weights i mean he's just i mean he's a my he's absolutely a monster now um but you know he he, he down inside he he'd be calling for the ball bring it down in here bring it in here i got a, i got a i got a weak one on me you know like he'd be yelling <laughs> and talking yo charles but we were playing the one game uh as coach cohen talks about this game we, we had played in a tournament early in the year with Scranton, I think it was at Albany, and they had beaten us. Uh, and Charlie was having a little academic problem at the time, so uh, he, he, he was eligible, but I did not take him on the trip because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. And they had they beat us pretty good, I think. I don't know the exact score, but I would say it was 15, 20 points, something like that. And uh, later in the year, they came back to our place and uh, Charlie was playing. <laughs> the first shot of the game or something, uh, somebody missed, probably Kylie, because he never made any. <laughs> 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 and Charlie went up and got the offensive rebound. He almost tore the, the basket down. I mean, it was like his elbows <laughs> were above it. Charlie ended up doing the Windex commercials on TV <laughs> where he wiped the backboard out with Charlie if you ever see those commercials. So. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it was on. I, I think at the half, we had, I think we scored 58 points in the first half. If I can, and we were up by like 25 or something like that. And like Bob Beswar, who was a coach, a great guy, was at Scranton at the time. He, uh, he, he, he said I should should have videotaped that and sold it as a clip. You know, it was just something we never, like we never missed a shot. I mean, everything was it was, it was just like a perfect half of basketball. And, so all of a sudden, the guy's tapped me on the shoulder. And he hands me this piece of paper, a note that's folded over. So I, I open up the note, and it's from Bessoir. And he said, you know, revenge is sweet, but this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> and I looked down at him, and he's just smiling, lad, shaking his head. It was, it was funny. But uh, so that was that, but that was Charlie. I mean, when he wanted to play, I mean, he just you couldn't. He was, you know, you put him and Grimmer out there together, and oh, my goodness, it was, it was like men against boys. Yeah, you were pretty spot on with the scores there, Coach. Uh, Scranton won the first game, ninety to seventy-four, and then the return game that year in '83 was ninety-eight Hamilton, eighty Scranton. Yeah. So yeah, you were pretty pretty spot on there. Yeah, the funny story was that you know they'll go on a little bit with it. Was Scranton ended up winning the national championship that year, mm. and and our guys were they they had rented a uh, Winnebago, Billy and uh, Bobby Kiley and Bobby Moore and. Uh, Mike McGann, a whole bunch of them, I think it was seven or eight of them, and they're driving down 81 on the way to Florida for the break. And as they're just getting in the Scranton, Best Bar's on the radio, and they're interviewing them, doing the thing, talking about the national championship. So you'd have to know Kylie, but Kylie gets on the phone and, and they, they pull over and Kylie gets them on the phone, calls into the radio station and gets on the phone. To start to, you know, and, and Bessoir was a good guy. He took it really well. He said, yeah, the champions, we picked your ass. You know, they were going on. It was pretty funny. So uh, but then they got back in the car and continued on their yeah. their trip, uh, which somehow they made it. And they actually all got back to campus a lot. <laughs> a miracle. 
those are stories that make it fun though, right? Those are the ones that keep going over decades and years and, and keep coming back up. Those stories forever. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned Bob Kylie, and I know you said early on in the 80s, you know, finding a point guard that was a good fit and having them all stay healthy was important. He's still got some great numbers here on campus, fifth all-time assist, fourth in steal. So I'm sure he was instrumental to the team over the next couple of years, just kind of solidifying that spot and you know, knowing how you played and putting so much responsibility on the point guard, making decisions and handling the ball. I, yeah. I'm sure that was an incredibly valuable position to have. Yeah, he was, he was, he was, he developed really well. And we, another guy came along, Kevin Hayden, who unfortunately had a, you know, a knee injury, which really curtailed his career. I mean, we had three really good guards with, you know, Kevin and uh, Billy Cohen, who's now, you know, my boss. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and Bobby Kiley. I mean, our, the backcourt was good. And then when you threw mix that in, they understood who should have the ball. I mean, they, they knew Charlie should get the ball. They knew, you know, Kevin should get the ball. They knew Izzy Perez should get the ball. Larry Cole, athlete. They gave them, you know, all, they, they were capable of scoring a lot more points. I mean, I still, but Kylie's still upset he didn't get a thousand points. He blamed me for taking them out. <laughs> 990. I, I said, well, Bobby, if they had the three-point back when you played, you probably would have had 998. <laughs> 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 then he gets really upset because he, he thought he was a good shooter. But, uh, uh, he was uh, he was one of a kind. But yeah, that was that was fun. And then you know when those guys left, and the next group of guards came along, and you know it was like uh, Billy Geithner and Donnie O'Shaughnessy, and you know we, we we were really fortunate. We had some really good really good play at the guard spot. Yeah, it sounds like when I I talked with Ron Torgowski, that '87 class had a lot of guys in it that all ended up being pretty productive. It, in addition to '86 and '88, but there's a lot of players from the '87 class that got a lot of minutes. And yeah. between '83 to '87, um, the the one All American that was in between that was Larry Colath, and you know, I, yeah. I remember hearing just how tough of a competitor he was and how much energy he brought to the court. Yeah, yeah, Larry is just a, one of my favorites of all time. I mean, he's just. He's, he's, Great, great person. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away this past year. Uh, really hit everybody hard. But, uh, uh, you know, Larry was just, uh, again, you know, it's, you know he, 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 was, he, he got to play a little bit with Charlie, but then you know, he pretty much he was with John Cavanaugh. And, you know, it was pretty good one, two points right there. I mean, uh, you know, it, it was... Uh, you know, Larry, we used to call him a cellar dweller because he, he, he kind of lived in my cellar for a couple summers or when he was working, putting in phone lines or something, underground phone lines. And he, he'd come and he'd sleep down the cellar and then they had to have the kids sit on his back while he did his push-ups. I mean, he was, he, he was a fanatical <laughs> workout guy, Larry. He was strong, one of the strongest guys you would ever meet. And, uh, uh, and he, 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 he could score, you know, he, he is a much better shooter than people realize, but uh, he, he, he pretty much, although he was, you know, and Larry's probably six, five, maybe six, five and a half, six, six, I don't know, but you know, John's all of six, 11, six, 10 and a half, six, 11, but Larry played center and John kind of, because John wanted to, you know, he wanted to shoot his threes. <laughs> John kind of ended up being like a forward more than the, than, you know, so Larry played inside more than John and, uh, it was John liked, so Larry did the dirty work, and John got the credit. And that team was was good. And then you know, like I like I told you before, Izzy Perez came on, and he should have been an All American. I don't know what people were thinking that year, but like he actually, I would say he outplayed the, both of those guys that that one year. He, he had a great season, and uh, 
know, he's down in Texas now. I, I still talk with him quite often, and he, he's done really well. So, he's, um, you know, it's amazing how well these guys have done. It's just a funny story, sort of, too, is we were up in Saratoga, and it was a big party. Seamus Crotty was quarterback on the football team, was having a bunch of guys, and and uh, we're out back, and uh, Timmy, Timmy Hill, who just went through a bout with cancer and came out of it okay. Uh, he, he's going to be fine, I guess now. But anyway, Timmy came over to me and uh, it's quite late at night, so they had a few cocktails, I'm sure. And he, he kind of put his arm around me. He goes like, Coach, look at us. We all done good. <laughs> you know, really kind of funny. I mean, Timmy was a dentist. He's a partner with uh, Pete Massey. They have a dental practice, and, and Pete was a player. And then he, I looked around, and I, and it's true. They all somehow they all did good because when they were in college, you wouldn't have thought any of them were going to do well. <laughs> it, was, it was a great group, though. Uh, so lucky. Well, that's that's isn't that the awesome part of being a coach? You get to see uh, these young people come through and kind of figure out who they are a little bit, some good, some bad, some not really sure what they're doing. And then they move on and you hope down the road that they're able to keep these connections and relationships. Like you said, getting together in Saratoga a few years later and just picking up like they didn't miss a beat from when they're in college and then able to move on and, and have successful lives. That's that's the joy of being a coach, at least it seems for a lot of us. Yeah, it, it, that's what it is. I mean, we had a great group with Kevin and Cedric and John. They We get together every three or four years. Tommy Masterson was a player. He has a place down in Seagirt, New Jersey on the shore. And, you know, we go down there and 13, 14 guys show up from that that era, you know. Uh, Actually, this Friday, a bunch of us are going down to Asheville, North Carolina. One of the guys having his 60th birthday. So Billy and I are going down. Kylie's going to be there. Mike McGann, you know, that that whole crew of guys. Kevin Brown, who was, uh, he actually helped coach a little bit, but he was RSID at the time. Uh, he's turned 60, so. Uh, Great. Trying to make me feel old, I'll tell you. <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, you know, kind of, I mean, those guys, they, 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 they're, they're still like best friends, you know, like, you know, like 20 years later, 30 years later, they get together. And, and that's the fun of it, you're right. I mean, that's that's what you like to see. They've all done well, and they, they, they kept the contacts, and. I mean, Hamilton's a strange place because guys like Klauberg, no guy, you know, they they knew the guys like, I mean, they knew them as friends, you know, 12, 14 years later, they kept the contact going and, uh, you know, Grimmer State kept everybody in touch, you know, and he'd come up and I'd give him a six pack and he'd get on the phone and he'd call the guys and the next thing you know, we'd 25 guys back for an alumni game. Yeah. You know, I mean, Kevin could talk to anybody and make them feel guilty. So they'd get in the car and drive for six hours or something. And, you know, it was, it was the best. Coach, this has been a lot of fun. I, uh, I have, I have one more question for you and one more person I'd like to ask you about just because I, I feel like he's been around for almost every Hamilton basketball student athlete, as long as he was here and that's Professor Bob Simon. And I know you two were pretty close and you know played golf and between him and Joy, two of the nicest, most caring, supportive people that, that I've ever met. And I would think that would be similar for a lot of student athletes and staff here. So if, if you could just talk about Professor Simon for a minute, that'd be great. Bob, Bob's the absolute best human being you'll ever meet. You know, just, just terrific. And actually Bob's son, Mark, is Mark's son is coming to Northeastern this year. Oh, fun. Mark was just up and I was talking with him and, uh, you know, they had the memorial service up there in Hamilton for Bob and it was so great to get back and see people and hear what other people thought about him. I mean, 
I never heard anybody say a bad word about him. And I had great contacts with him. Uh, you know, we, I, I, I used to have a lot of fun with him. We'll put it that way. We taught a class together. Uh, we, and then we were teaching over in Chittenango. We, we were doing a high school thing for coaching, bring people along. I always had Bob and I were teaching this course, uh, both these course together. And we'd stop in all night afterwards and, uh, you know, get a milkshake or something like that and sit yeah. and talk and, I, I'm just one of the best human beings you'd ever meet. You know, enjoy. I mean, they, they never missed a game. They'd be at road games. You'd look up in the stands. They'd be there. They, just the most supportive people and the nicest people. And like I say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure like you, you could talk to Klauberg or they, you know, he, they used to have a party up at their house at the end, them and the small ones. They, they'd put oh. on a, a party at the end and, you know, I, I remember CBS Sports came in and did a thing. We, I guess it was like an eight-year period where we had the best winning record in, in the country. So Neil Pearson was the head of CBS Sports, happened to be a Hamilton graduate. So he made sure it got on national television, which was great for the school. But, you know, Simon and Smalling got together and they put on a spoof. You know, they put on a, like an <laughs> play. They, they were in, doing the interviews and, talk, you know, like one of them was Larry and one of them was somebody else. It was it, it was just great, and uh, I mean, it, 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 just a tremendous at atmosphere. You, you know how it is up there. It's just, uh, oh. I'm sure that Bob's really missed. Uh, he's, uh, he meant so much to so many people. So uh, he's one of my favorite human beings of all time. Yeah, when I first got back here 10 years ago, he was incredibly gracious, as was Joy, about just being friendly, inviting me to golf and playing with Dave Small and Ann, get to know them. And you could just see how supportive they were of everything that goes on at Hamilton, especially the student athletes. And yeah. every year we'd have a, a brief senior dinner for the seniors and recognize them. And, and Joy would have the clippings from every single article, from every paper, everywhere they could bring it and deliver it to seniors. It just You just knew how much it meant to them to be around the student athletes and, and support people. And like you said, two of the nicest people ever. Yeah. So, well, coach, thanks a ton for jumping on. I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on. I think this was great. I think people will love hearing some of the stories and you know, hopefully a lot of the, the alums will pick up a few stories that maybe they didn't hear before, but this was fantastic. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's great to be on. Like I say, you, 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 some, sometimes you hate these sort of things because you leave somebody's name out or you don't talk, but like every, everybody that was on all those teams, I mean, it, it's just, you know, great memories, great, and they, like I say, they've all turned out well, uh, and, and, and that's what it's all about. And they've all given back, and they've become good, and that's what you're trying to do more than win basketball games. You're trying to turn them into becoming good, you know, good citizens and, and contribute back to society. And, you know, I feel really good about my years up there. Yeah. And you're, you're doing it the right way, and I appreciate it. It's a shame you had to, you know, you had a miss this year because I think you had a great team coming back. But you'll get it going again. We hope. You know, it was, it was fun this year. The one nice thing is, you know, you guys at Northeastern, you get all that time with the guys in the offseason to really work on things and some individual development. That was nice this year without games. We got a chance to just get in the gym and just do some skill work and not have to worry about a game on Friday or Saturday or a scouting report or playing time. It was just nice to say, hey, we're just going to spend this year trying to get better. So, for us, it was fun to do that. Um, obviously, much rather have the games, but we, we tried to get the most out of it, and I think the guys really enjoyed it. So hopefully we can see some benefits of that next year. Great. Good luck this season. I'm sure you're yeah. going to have a great one. Yeah. Well, good seeing you, Coach. Thanks again, and we'll get this podcast out here in the near future. Thanks, Adam.